0: Brother Kim, thank you, thank you for that song. How appropriate uh, this morning, uh, that song, and thank you. Uh, we, we're going to have to have you sing that one again here uh, sometime. That uh, that blessed my heart, just thinking about the context of, of uh, our our life today, the context of, uh, uh, of America, of the world, and the context of where we are here in the Word of God this morning. Uh, if you have your place, Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, If you would stand with me as we read together a portion of the Word of God this morning, I was just thinking uh, in the days in which we live, oh, how we need the touch of God, how we need the life of God, how we need the power of God. And so what we're going to deal with here this morning uh, stands as a a stark uh, warning and a stark contrast as to what our needs are uh, the closer we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm thoroughly convinced of this that uh, we live in the most exciting day in all the history of the world in which to live and I believe that Christians who are on fire for the Lord and follow the principles of God's Word are going to see some of the most exciting things that in all the history of Christianity. You're going to have an opportunity to be used of God in a way that no other generation has ever been used of the Lord. And I was just thinking, and you'll understand this as we read this portion and we make applications to us today, I think a lot of churches are kind of like the deaf man Uh, that was vacuuming the church building, and he would come in every uh, Saturday to vacuum the church building. Uh, One Saturday, he was vacuuming along, but he did not realize he was not plugged into the power source. And so he'd taken the vacuum cleaner all through the building, but he had no power. And that's where a lot of Christians are today. A lot of churches not plugged into the source. They're going through the motions, just kind of playing and that's not going to be the days ahead. You're going to need to be plugged into the source. You're going to need to have the power of God. I think Kim sang about that's just around the corner. And oh how we need the touch of God, the power of God. Now we're going to look at Sardis, the dead church. That's not what we need. Let's look in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. Now, we recognize that this is, I believe, historical. There's a prophecy of a church period that we'll look at. But I believe as we look at these last four churches, beginning with Thyatira... And then, now, as we deal with Sardis, there are going to be uh, kind of tenants and realms of these churches present when the Lord Jesus returns. And this is why the Lord says, Hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, and this speaks of one that's been born again, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're going to look at Sardis, the dead church. Would you join me this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we we need you this morning. We recognize, oh, how we need the Spirit of God, how we need the life of God. Lord, we don't want to just play church. We don't want to just go through the motions. Lord, we need your power, your touch, your presence. I pray this morning as we preach, and Lord, you know hearts, Lord, there are individuals here that need you. They need to be saved. Lord, there are others here today that have a clear testimony of a, of a relationship with you, but some things have come into their life and they're just kind of just going through the motions right now. And I pray this morning that you would bring us to true repentance, to true salvation, to true power, to your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we have read this morning, the church of Sardis, it's describing a local church that had a reputation or a name that it was alive, but actually, as the Bible is describing this church, it had no life. It reminded me of a church that I attended soon after my wife and I had married. We were traveling on our honeymoon destination. We stayed in a town on on Saturday nights, and always we we make plans Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesday night, wherever we are to be in church. And so, we we found a Baptist church in that particular town. Uh, we would attend the next morning, we arrived the next morning at church early, uh, before church uh, started, I always like to go early to church, and so we arrived early uh, that uh, coming Sunday morning, and I would have to say that's the deadest church I've ever been in. Uh, we, were, we were like, I, I, I can't explain it, they, they were unfriendly. They avoided us like we were like scum. We had amoebas or something. I, I don't know. They, they, that was before, uh, before you practice social distancing, and they social distanced from us uh, there. And, and that's, it was just dead, it was dry. The, the announcements, the music, every aspect of that church was that direction. It was just going through the motions. And I'm thinking to myself, if that's what church is all about, I don't know if I were a visitor that I'd ever want to come back to. I was a visitor, I don't want to ever come back to such a church. And it reminded me of the church here at Sardis. I don't know what had happened in that church, I don't know what took place, but I just know what I experienced that morning. It was about 20 years ago, we, we took a family vacation to California. And again, on a Saturday night, we stayed in a nice place, we, we looked up uh, uh, a church to attend the next morning with our family, we found a church in the phone book, uh, directions to that church, and uh, we looked at the doctrine of that church, and everything looked uh, to be sound, and they used the King James Bible, the uh, Independent Baptist, and it was just uh, looked just right, and so we determined next day, that's where we were going to go to church, and uh, Sunday morning, made our way, uh, humongous building, I thought, wow, this, this amazing, uh, nice facilities, beautiful landscaping, uh, but I, I soon was noticing the fact that in this humongous building and facility, just a few cars, and uh, I had our family, and there was another family that we met that was also in that area, and they were looking for a church, and they followed me to church, and between my family And the visitors that we brought to church that morning, we had more than was actually uh, present. And this was a church that would seat about a hundred, but just a handful of people. And it's evident that at one time, that church had a powerful ministry. Uh, It's evident at one time that uh, uh, they were reaching out into their community. But on that particular day, there was this evidence of deadness, apathy, even a sense of bitterness that was involved in that church. And I thought again of the church of Sardis. Now the church of Sardis was a dead church. Something had taken place and God's spirit was not working. They were going through the motions. They had the vacuum cleaner. Uh, They were going up and down and playing the game of church. But uh, something was wrong. Something was not present. There was no power of God. There was no presence of God. There was no working of God In their midst, that's what God is describing with this church of Sardis. And uh, this church, I I believe, stands as a strong warning for churches of all ages. And, and, And as I expressed earlier here this morning, as we near the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, the work that has to take place is not going to take place in the power of human flesh. It's going to have to take place in the power of God. We are going to. We have an opportunity to see some of the greatest workings of God of any time in history. But we will not do that in the power of our flesh. The power of our flesh will lead to deadness, to dryness. It's the power of God's Spirit, the presence of God's Spirit, that is going to be needed uh, to have that as we near the return of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer for Valley Bible Baptist Church. My prayer is that this church can make an impact upon this community. This church can be a lighthouse. Uh, That this church will have the light and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That this church will be a place where souls are saved and Christians are trained and that young people are called forth and that God would send forth laborers into the harvest. That's my prayer for Valley Bible Baptist Church. Now, Let's look at this local church, this specific church of Sardis. Sardis at one time, the city itself, was one of the great cities of that part of of Asia. Uh, Sardis had been the capital city of the kingdom of Lydia. Uh, Gold was discovered in a river that ran through the city. Uh, It was known as a wealthy city. It was 30 miles southeast of Thyatira that we spoke about last week, and Uh, Just as Thyatira had become a center for manufacturing, so had Sardis. It was a center for textiles, for dyes, for jewelry. Uh, So it was a very prominent city at one time, very important city within that region. As we look at this particular church, go back with me to verse number 1 of chapter 3. And is this the case with all of the seven churches? We see the Christ of the church and we know that Jesus Uh, gave his life and shed his blood for the church. And we're talking local churches and that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And so this message as to all of the churches is a message from Christ. He says, unto the angel of the church in Sardis writes, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this would be a reference again to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know in the Bible the number seven is a very important number. It's the number of perfection. I believe it's a reference to the fullness and to the completeness of God and in particular a reference here to the seven spirits and you could could mark down Isaiah 11 verse number 2 where it speaks of the perfection of God's spirit and uh, it's evident here this church needed the working of God's spirit. It was dead uh, because the spirit of God was not working in their midst and it would be like plugging the vacuum or without the vacuum, uh, vacuum cleaner without power and that's what this church was like and they needed the working of God's spirit now as we look in verse number 1 here's the heart of the problem here's the concern for the church he says to this church I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead now the reputation of the church was thou hast a name that thou livest outwardly they had a name Outwardly, they had a reputation. Outwardly, they were a church. Uh, And yet, as you look at this, I I would picture somebody and a church that maybe was more concerned about that reputation, more concerned about what men thought than about what God thought, more concerned about pleasing men than pleasing God. And I'm saying this because I I think the nearer we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more intent we are going to need to be on pleasing God and not on pleasing men. Uh, Maybe this church had a nice building... Had good advertisement, had a favorable place in the community. They didn't stir the waves. You don't read of this church that they had uh, any problems or battles within the church as we read about previous churches with the doctrine of the Nicolaitans or the doctrine of Baalism or the woman Jezebel. And so we don't read of those battles within the church. And it seems that this church uh, was just going through the motion. And you know, when you're dead, there are no battles. And so there were no battles that this church was fighting. Now that was the reputation of the church, but we look at the reality of the church. Uh, The church was dead. It was without life. And it matters not what men think. What matters is what does God think. Really it doesn't matter what men think about Valley Bible Baptist Church. What matters is what does God think about Valley Bible Baptist Church. In reality, many churches and many Christians want to be thought of well by the world, but they have no concept of obedience unto God. You know, I'd, I'd rather uh, please the Lord and maybe cause some waves out of the world than to have a reputation in the world, but to be displeasing to God. And so here's the counsel that's given to the church. In verse number two, this counsel is be watchful. See, this church had drifted spiritually. I believe, if you look at the background, this was probably at one time a vibrant church and a live church, uh, but somehow they had become complacent, and uh, maybe God's Word uh, was not uh, as prominent as it once had been. They'd lost their vision Uh, The word of God had become dull. Uh, They were coming to church but not really hearing from God, not hearing the word of God. They were dull of hearing. And and, uh, it probably did not happen overnight. This was probably the case of the frog that gradually sat in the water and boiled to death. And uh, probably with this church, uh, just gradually, without them recognizing it, they began to drift away from the principles of God and of God's word. And that can happen in the life of a church. That can happen in the life of a Christian. And so it's very important to be watchful. It's evident that they were still going through the motions without the life. And so he says be watchful, but this next thought here in verse number two is to be wakened. The Lord is saying, did this church wake up? He said, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Wake up, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. They needed to be alert before they lost everything, and it's clear that they still had an opportunity to get right with God. And he says, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now they thought that God was pleased with them because of their reputation, but again, they're playing church in the flesh and without the power of God. So he says, uh, be watchful, be wakened, but be warned. Look in verse number 3. He says, remember therefore. He says, how thou hast received and heard. You've known the truth and you've received that. And he says, hold fast to that truth and repent. And so they had been given the truth. They needed to be reminded of that truth. We had that come up in the men's prayer meeting uh, yesterday. Brother Jason, you... Uh, You quoted a verse and you heard something that there are always new things under the sun when God said there's nothing new under the sun. And Brother Kim, you commented that it's not the new things that we need, but it's a reminder sometimes of those things that we already know. And so that's what this church needed here in Sardis. They needed to be reminded of those things that they had already heard, those truths that they already received in the past. And a lot of times the situations and problems we have, we already know the answers. And it's not looking for some newfangled answer. It's just applying what we already know. He says to this church, hold fast. And then he says, repent, hold to that truth and repent of that deadness. But notice the warning. God said in verse number 3, Otherwise, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. It seems evident that many within this church were not even saved. And so it's possible to be involved in a church would lead, and we'll see this in a moment, uh, one of the reasons for the deadness of this church, and uh, they had no life because they did not possess the life, many of them, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's given this warning that many within this church at the return of Jesus Christ, this concept, of the return of Jesus Christ, would be left behind. But you notice in verse number 4, and uh, this important truth, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled. I'm thankful of this, the Lord knows those that are His. He knows His children by name. And He says, They have not defiled their garments, and they walk with Me in white, for they are worthy. And so there are those that are not saved. and those that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and those that knew the Lord in verse number 5 he says they have a great coming a great reward coming He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And what a blessing to know Jesus Christ personally. Uh, But in verse number 6, he's speaking to both the saved and to the lost. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There's no doubt a call to the lost within this church to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. No doubt a call to those that know the Lord within this church to to be steadfast, the Lord's coming back, you be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's the local church. I move through that very quickly because I want to get to something here in just a bit to apply to us. Now, of course, as we've seen with all the churches, there's the prophetic look of Sardis. Last week, Thyatira. Thyatira was the divided church. We saw within Thyatira a group within that church that were swayed by the false teacher Jezebel, and it was Jezebel that introduced into the churches, into that church, sexual perversion, idolatry. If you go back to chapter two, verse number twenty, uh, the church of Thyatira. Here's the warning: He said to that church, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach. To seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. We saw just this morning in Sunday school, it it does matter the teachers you listen to. You compare everything to the Word of God. Make sure everything that you're taught is founded and anchored in the Bible. So some within the church in Thyatira had followed the false teachings of this Jezebel teacher. But there were some within the church of Thyatira, Thyatira that rejected those teachings. Look in verse number 24. He said, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none of the burden, but that which have already hold fast until I come. And so these uh, had rejected the teachings of this Jezebel, false teacher and false prophetess, and they had anchored themselves in the truth of God's word. Now, the, the prophetic teaching of the church of Thyatira in Christendom, that was churches or represented uh, the Christendom during the sixth to the 15th century. We call those the Dark Ages. Uh, major division took place within Christianity. Many churches turned from the Word of God. Uh, they turned to paganistic doctrines uh, contrary to God's Word. They became a part of a universal church, a state government-controlled church. It became a political church. It became a political force. There were kings that uh, led in the direction and kings that became leaders of these churches or this church and uh, became a false direction. But others remained truthful or true to God's Word. Can I, let me just point this out. You can follow history, and you follow at every point of history there have always been true churches. Because Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can follow those churches by a trail of blood. Uh, they were persecuted, they were mocked, they were hated. As we saw in the beginning with the, the um, uh, church of Smyrna, uh, they were persecuted by the government. Then later these true churches were persecuted by Other churches, because they would not be a part of the government church, so to speak. And so you find that throughout the ages. Now the church of Sardis, as we look at, is prophetic of Christendom following the dark ages. During the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries, we had the printing press introduced. The printing press brought about the publication of the Word of God. And it became possible for every man to have the Word of God in his own language. And the Word of God will set you free because it is truth. Uh, We had John Wycliffe. By the way, if you look at John Wycliffe, he was Baptist in conviction. And he put forth an English translation and William Tyndale and the Bible became available. Uh, We find that there were reformers during those ages. Uh, They were men like Luther, you've heard the names, and Zwingli and John Calvin and they came out of Catholicism. They began to teach salvation by grace through faith in Christ, in Christ alone. They began to put emphasis again upon the Word of God and multitudes were saved. But at the same time, there were still churches that had never been a part of that. And there were still churches, the Paulicians, the Waldenses and the Anabaptists. And they were true. And in some cases, uh, they worked with the Reformers. But in other cases, these true churches. Christians were persecuted even by the reformers. Now, we can look in history in Europe and Germany. It was led largely by Calvinists or by, by Lutherans, uh, Lutheranism, and uh, and you find it interesting even in Germany during those years. Uh, Germany uh, uh, they were required to tithe either to the Catholic Church or to the Lutheran Church. There were state churches. In England, it was back and forth between Anglican Church and Catholicism. You find in Switzerland, France, uh, Scotland, uh, they were influenced largely by John Calvin and uh, they became Calvinists, uh, Presbyterians. Uh, There were uh, Huguenots, the French Huguenots. We find countries like Spain and Italy, they cling to uh, Catholicism. And what we find that Christians and churches that would not follow the state-sanctioned churches were persecuted, imprisoned, even killed, and led to great numbers fleeing to the United States of America for religious freedom. And what we find, though, many reformers placed emphasis upon salvation by grace and upon the Bible, they still held to a lot of concepts, like infant baptism, like state churches. And then we find, if you study the history, soon the emphasis turned from preaching the way of salvation to building a political system and elaborate buildings, and outwardly there was the appearance of life and the appearance of church, but inwardly uh, they filled their membership with lost church members. No spiritual life. And this is so clearly seen, if you know the history of the United States of America, before the Great Awakening. We had many churches, but most of those churches were spiritually dead. They were churches with lost church members. They had dead orthodoxy. You've probably heard of men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield that came on the scene and they preached the the gospel with the power of God and multitudes of those church members, and that will bring us to the next uh, time in history uh, next week, Lord willing. Uh, But as they preached, multitudes of these church members were converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And even on the eastern seaboard, uh, one in 10 Americans came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and God worked a mighty miracle, spiritual awakening, a spiritual reformation during those times. But this talking about was dead orthodoxy. Listen to me, being a church member is not going to get you to heaven. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must know Jesus personally. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, As we look at that church of Sardis representing that period of time, it's evident also that this will continue to the return of Jesus Christ. And I think it's evident that when Jesus comes, there are going to be multitudes of church members that are left behind. They're not ready and the church of Sardis is giving warning. I want to give some Crucial lessons this morning, right down where the pedal hits the metal, right down for you and I, right here for Valley Bible Baptist Church. We have here the case of a dead church. Verse 1 says, thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. And it's possible to go through the motions of church and have no life and no power and no victory. It's possible to appear to be alive, but God is not at work. And that's dangerous. The church of Sardis stands as a warning to churches and Christians of all ages. Now, what were the causes that led to a dead church? I've already pointed out the lost church membership. See, God's Spirit is not present if the membership does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's only as we're born again that the Spirit of God indwells us. And it's the presence of the Lord as Christians who truly know Jesus Christ, know the Lord from the heart. As you know the Lord, you have the Spirit of God, you possess the Spirit of God, and it's that Spirit of God that brings life. And it seems that many in the church of Sardis commitment, but no inward relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's possible to live in a time when it's popular to be a Christian in name. But when you really live as a Christian, it's not so popular. It's the new birth that gives life. And it's impossible to succeed spiritually in your flesh. The Lord warns of the last days that men would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And that's a strong warning that God gives. And many church members in Sardis were like a teddy bear. There's no life at a teddy bear. Looks like a bear. I've seen some teddy bears that look pretty real. But it's still a teddy bear. There's no heartbeat. There's no blood. There's no life. And that's where a lot of church members are, and that's the warning. It's one of the causes of a dead church is no spiritual life, no new birth within, uh, just the outward form of the teddy bear without the heart of Jesus Christ within the life. So a lost church membership. A second cause of a dead church could be a worldly church membership. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. See, this case is a case where God's Spirit is grieved. And this becomes evident in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the warning that Paul gave to this church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 4, verse number 30, he says to us, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now that word grieve, it's a love term. And here the Lord is warning that we're not to grieve. God loves His children. We're not to grieve the Spirit of God, and we grieve God's Spirit when we don't deal with sin. And if you look at the context here of that statement in verse 22, for example, of Ephesians 4, He's saying to those that are truly saved, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt, according to the deceitfulness of lust, be renewed in the mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He says for a child of his that when you're saved, put off the old, put on the new, it's like changing clothes and you have to do that by the way every day. I don't think you want to be around somebody who hasn't changed clothes in a year, okay? And so constantly we need to die to self and put off that old man. Verse 25, here's the old man put away lying. It's the old man that grieves the spirit of God. Speak every man truth. Put on the new man. He says, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. The old man, he says, be angry and sin not. Uh, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He says, neither give place to the devil. He says in verse number 28, let him that stole still no more, that grieves the Spirit of God, let him labor. He says in verse 29, the old man, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that's the new man. But notice in verse number 31, and I think this is so important, if you study the history of revival and great movements of God, what you will find in verse number 31. He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be a kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, if there are broken relationships within a church, within a local church, the Spirit of God is grieved. And when the Spirit of God is grieved, the Spirit of God is unable to work as He wants to work, as He loves to work. And I read the story of Edinburgh Baptist Chapel, uh, early 1900s. It was a church that at one time had the power of God upon that church, but they had arrived at a point in their history that most of the young people were lost within that church, and they were living out in the world, and there was no transformation of lives. And there was a widow in that church that became burden for that church, She began to pray for the people of that church. And it was amazing as she prayed, God began to restore relationships and bitterness was put aside and men and women forgave one another and homes were put together. But God brought to that church a man who preached with the power of God and multitudes were saved as God's Spirit was able freely to work. So many times God doesn't work and the church is dead because of a worldly church membership. Just Christians don't deal with sin, and it grieves the Spirit of God. Now, there's another thought. I would call this a disobedient church membership. And in this case, God's Spirit is quenched. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, the warning is, quench not the Spirit. See, the call of a church is to preach the gospel. The call of a church is to win the baptize them to train those that are saved and uh, to reach out to a lost and dying world Uh, the Lord wants to raise up laborers but if a church loses that vision that church will die And many churches die because they're disobedient to the call of God to go to a lost and dying world. And friend, it's not just us four no more. No, there's a lost and dying world around us. There are people everywhere that need Jesus Christ. And if they do not come to know Jesus Christ, they're going to die and go to hell. And let us never lose that vision and mission of reaching a lost world. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we lose that vision we died. It's easy to focus on the outward. It's easy to focus on the building, the appearance, the reputation, but to forget the mission, the Great Commission. Those are causes. A lost church membership, a worldly church membership, a disobedient church membership. Now go back with me to Revelation chapter 3 and you'll see here the consequence of a dead church. Revelation chapter 3, and I hope that this truth can sink deep within us this morning. In verse number 3, he gives this warning to this church. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. I said we live in the most exciting day in all of the history of the world in which to live. This could very well be the generation that's going to hear the trumpet sound. The dead in Christ will rise and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And and friend, here's what I want us to see is that if that takes place here soon in our lifetime, oh, how we need the power of God because there are young people in this church and under our influence and family members and children and grandchildren. They need the Lord Jesus Christ and we have neighbors and friends and relatives all around us and we need the power of God to win the loss to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back again. And if we have not that vitality and life of Jesus, multitudes around us are going to be left behind. That ought to break our heart. That's the warning, the consequence. Sadly, many churches and church members are not going to be ready when Jesus comes. And evident that many church members are going to miss rapture, enter into the tribulation, but even as we think about this, many who are around us that know the Lord, if we're not on fire for God, we're going to watch as they enter into the tribulation. I believe, by the way, it holds churches accountable. I don't have time this morning. I intended to go into this, but you can study this out on your own. Excuse me, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 10. It speaks of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. In the Bible, the virgin is a picture of a church, if you look at that. And it speaks of five churches that had the oil and five churches that had not the oil. And it would represent the Spirit of God. And I think it's evident when that midnight cry came that we heard about, and there would be churches without the oil, without the presence of God's Spirit. But it can also apply to a Christian. You need Jesus His spirit within. Now, I want you to look at verse 6. And I'm going to close with this thought here. Verse 6. What is the cure for a dead church? He says in verse 6, He that hath an ear. He says, listen. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Listen. Some have not the spirit, they need a new birth. I read of a major revival in Africa, the 1950s. Churches in Africa experienced a great awakening. Many church members got saved in 1950 in Africa. It was amazing uh, just reading that testimony, uh, how church member after church member. And in one case, there was a preacher, a pastor in one of these churches. All of his church members uh, began to get saved. And this pastor, one day he cries out and he says, I need what they have. I've been the jailer keeping them in prison and now they all escape prison and here I am still in prison. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man came to know Jesus Christ, brought life to those churches in Africa. Uh, Some have grieved God's spirit. I want to challenge you, if you're not right in relationships, let's be serious. You're not going to have God's power until you're willing to do business with the Lord. Maybe we've not been obedient to the commission. Everywhere we go, we ought to be sharing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and being faithful to that call of God. I want us here this morning for just a moment, every head bowed.